Welcome back to another episode of the RAG podcast with me, Sean Anderson, the CEO and founder of Hoxo Media. Um, today is a Friday, 11 a.m. Project 500 special. So we kicked off our initiative to raise five, well, raise the funds to get 500 brand new laptops to 500 children in the UK who are in desperate need of devices to um, survive this homeschooling crisis that we have right now. Um, I'm excited to um, to talk about where we have, well, the progress we've made in week one. Um, but I'm also super excited to be joined by Dermot Casey, who's the deputy head teacher of Burley Secondary Academy, which is actually the school which I used to work 10 years ago. So I left Burley as a PE teacher in 20, October of 2010. Um, and I had slightly less gray hair then for anyone who, who knows me. Um, and uh, I haven't really been back. I think I went back once in 2013 um, and I saw Dermot. Dermot was a teacher at the time and he's worked his way right up to deputy head. So Dermot, um, welcome, welcome to the show. Thanks, Sean. Thanks for having me. And thanks, Chris. And thanks, Tim. Uh, no worries, mate. So back in the day, you were was it? Were you a history teacher? Am I right? Or have I made that up? Uh, that's right. So I was the curriculum leader for uh, history. Uh, you're right. And then after that, became the assistant head. Uh, and then this year, I've just been promoted to deputy head. So okay. transition. Lovely. So thanks for having us on, Chris. Tim, welcome. How are we this morning? Very Thank good. Thanks. Very all good, thank you, Sean. All good. Good man. I've tried to outdo Chris with the Steve Jobs look, so I've put my the biggest turtleneck I could find on. Um, because Chris, Chris looked too sharp for my liking last week. I didn't, I didn't like the, uh, I didn't like the fact that he, he outdid me. Um, well, look, um, today's show it's a sh relatively short show, thirty minutes, and we want to, um, we want to, we want to speak to Dermot and find out about the situation going on in Sheffield at his school. Um, but first and foremost, we want to give you an update on what we've actually done in the past week. It's been a lot of work. There's been a hell of a lot of running around behind the scenes for, from both Hoxo, Red Hole, and Simply Commerce, who, are, who combined team to create Project 500. Um, and I'll start with Chris, who's going to give us an overview as to where we are uh, right now as a, as a, on a fundraising perspective. Definitely. I think what you just said, Sean, about the amount of energy that's obviously intangible, but clearly huge over the course of the last week was impressive on day one when we were doing this at exactly this time last week. But since then, it's just continued to get stronger and stronger and stronger. And my gut feeling is that we're going to springboard today into the next chapter of how colossal these numbers are. So I think that by the end of we launched at 11 o'clock last Friday, and I think that we were up to £10,000 raised by close of play last week so within a matter of hours i'm really really pleased to say that we've got 65 backers separate individuals and organizations who have got behind the initiative to raise a total amount as of literally now in real time thirty thousand pounds nine hundred and eighteen pounds it's a phenomenal amount and if you think about the fact that every one thousand pounds equates to five or six laptops you just think of the number of kids that are going to be in front of those screens within a matter of days who are going to be benefiting and the 100, right side 100, of the 193 kids, that is, Chris, in one week. Brilliant. That's exactly why we did this. That's why we did it. That's why we did it. So, Tim, tell us what, what's going to happen now that, that that money's hit the bank and, and we've got uh, access to the funds to get this ball rolling. 
So, yeah, reiterating Chris's point, everyone's pulled together across all three businesses, working day and night to pull this together. I think we'd all agree it's a bigger job than we first anticipated, but we are getting there and we're making incredible progress. So that 30K that we've raised now is starting to filter through and we're getting the first laptops being delivered to the schools already. So we have a list of schools that have put in the request for devices. Those devices are now starting to make their way to the schools. And, and the impact of that, we've already heard, is incredible. Just allowing those kids the opportunity to get online on a laptop that actually works and not having to share with other children or siblings. So this is everything that we, we hope for, right? This is the... Yeah. the whole uh, principles behind what we're doing and, and it's just amazing to see it all come together wicked well it was about i think it was about four weeks ago you both picked up the phone so um i'm i'm proud of what we've achieved so far and we've got we've got a long way to go so dermid welcome um first question for you my man is to could you just give us an overview of of, of the school um the area that Bur of burley that the school sits within and and the the type of children and the demographics that that live within that area and, and sit within that school Okay, Sean, so thank you. So essentially, uh, we're a secondary school. We're 11 to 16. Uh, we're on the southeast of the uh, Sheffield City. Um, so we're on the, the border of the Derbyshire countryside. Very typically white working class. Um, so very, I talk about white working class. Uh, lots of our parents are, are kind of working in work at this moment in time. Obviously, they've got the struggles with, with lockdown. Um, so that's in terms of the, just the situation, the, de the demographics of it. Specifically, would you like me to discuss anything else? Yeah, so in terms of what is the reality in terms of the amount of children in Burley, in your school, in, under your care, that, that do not have access to um, the, the equipment they need right now to, to do what they're, they're required to do? So I think you've used the word equipment. Um, I would say that the majority of our students have equipment of sorts, but it's essentially suitable equipment for learning. So a lot of our students would have, for example, mobile phones, but that's not, you know, really uh, appropriate to be learning with. So in terms of we've, we've obviously uh, audited our parents um, to, to find out what, what we have. And essentially a quarter to a third of our students don't have access to appropriate equipment, so such as a laptop uh, or, or a, tab a tablet of sorts. Um, and as a consequence of that, therefore, it means it stops them from being able to learn effectively. Um, so, um, so yeah, so that's the situation itself. How many, how many kids does that actually mean? Like, so specifically, uh, 300, 300 students, um, 333 students specifically, um, don't have access to the appropriate device. We're talking about one school in one city and there's 300 kids and we're talking about a country, a nation. It's, it's incredible the size and scale of this problem. Tim, do you want to chip in? Yeah, so one of the things that, that um, I'm interested in, and again, this was raised to me by my uh, my nine-year-old, is she, she kind of came to us and she is missing school and the interaction with kids and the, 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 the social element of it and, and, and playing in the playground and, and all the good things they get to do when they see each other. Uh, and she still has access via a laptop, so we're fortunate, but it's still having an impact and that's one of the things that worries me as much as their learning. So I'm just wondering, from your point of view, Dermot, is that something you're experiencing yourself? Tim, I think you've hit the nail on the head. Um, 
spot on. I think one of the biggest issues that our students are having is that loss of interaction with, with their peers. Um, we have tried to work and engage with our parents and we've asked for feedback from them. And they've told us that it's the lack of having the interaction with their friends that is having a major bearing and impact upon their lives. We made a decision um, last year to have our kind of live learning in a recorded format through SharePoint, uh, Microsoft SharePoint. As a consequence of that feedback, we have actually moved towards doing live lessons on Microsoft Teams. And parental feedback has been overwhelming and saying thank you because students are now being able to kind of interact again with their friends. They're able to kind of just have that kind of feel of the community again that I think has been so massively lacking. And I think when we, what you talked about, um, and this is, but that's reality, Tim. That's what yeah. like you as a dad at this moment in time, you're having okay, to you're be in, are you going to be in it or not? And, no. Okay. Well, she's just going to hide inside. Yeah. But, but that's, that's brilliant. You know, genuinely that makes me happy to see because she's engaged. She's happy. Uh, but but I think that's it. I think for me, one of the biggest things is about just making sure students are, are, are kind of right. your well-being supported as they're learning because their well-being is crucial. I think that's what we really learned um, as a consequence of this situation. How are yeah. you guys as teachers? What what's your day-to-day -day life like, David? Like how how are you executing what you're doing? How do you get contact with parents and kids? Like what's a, an average day like for a teacher at Burley? So it's uh, so we are trying to ensure staff remain uh, working remotely as best as possible. Um, the, present, the the issues that we've had with with COVID is that we we're essentially teaching our curriculum in three different ways. We have students who don't act, have access to devices, so we're having to put together paperwork for them. Um, we're also um, because of the the fact that parents like Tim are having to work at home uh, while also home educates. Um, we've we've uh, developing another curriculum through what we call SharePoint and essentially is where we upload all our lessons, we record them as teachers to so allow parents that element of flexibility. And as a result, that's the second way we're, we're, we're delivering a curriculum in the third way. And as Tim's points very right about the, the mental health and the well-being of students, we've now implemented Teams Learning. So that's having a, an impact upon teachers' workload. So we're delivering the curriculum, you know, it's just always statically one way in the classroom, pre-COVID now, we're having to essentially develop three different uh, types of resources, um, which has proven challenging for us because, you know, 12 months ago, you know, we didn't have the skill set that we now have. You know, I'm proficient now at delivering uh, live lessons that I, I wasn't last time. I'm now re recording resources and so on. So it has proved challenging, Sean. Yeah, it sounds it. Sounds it. Chris, you had some stats you pulled up, didn't you? Yeah, look, I'd love to share these with you, Dharma. And then I've got a question for you. So just doing a bit of research and appraising myself over the course of the last week on what the what's going on. Tell me what you think of this. So an estimated one million children and their families don't have access to adequate device or connectivity. We all know that. That's the foundation of this. So 11% of young people accessing the internet at home do so without a computer, without a broadband connection. God knows what that does to your, um, you know, to your data package and how quickly that goes down. Further 6% uh, access the internet via dial-up modems, a technology which is now too... How many, how many yeah. Chris? 
Six percent. So uh, you know, breaking down the granular, I'm not sure exactly what that equates to, but AOL you know, dial-up back in the dial-up. I mean, yeah. I didn't even think that was a thing anymore. I mean, yeah. I thought you you do hang around in AOL chat rooms, I don't you? That's like a normal <laughs> Friday night for you, isn't it? <laughs> Sorry, just, just on that. I segue into the remainder of this. So, you know, according to a recent report from the Sutton Trust, 15% of teachers in the most deprived schools reported that more than a third of their students would not have adequate access to an electronic device for learning from home. You know, that kind of reflects the proportions that you were talking about, Dahmid. My question is, how concerned are you about how what we're facing now will play out in the next few years in terms of kids that are on the run-up to their exams and then also their ability to get into the world of work? That's a really good question, uh, Chris. Um, and I think, to be honest, that's one that's preoccupying uh, a lot of teachers and school leaders at this moment in time. Um, I think you just have to try to be positive about it. I do think there's going to be an impact. I think the reality is, is that we don't know. Um, I think our jobs are going to change as a, as a consequence of COVID. Um, you know, as in a simplistic thing, you know, I, I had a meeting this morning about GCSE exams, BTECs. We don't even know what the landscape is in, in kind of May, June, when students are due to sit those exams. The government is due to publish their findings this, this month at some point. Um, I just think you just have to approach it as best you can as being very, very positive. Um, we, we're determined to ensure every student achieves the best and we'll, we'll work our, our socks off to ensure we put in place recovery curriculum for them. I mean, we've done a lot of work currently um, in making sure that what we're doing with our students in terms of our live lessons and, and recorded lessons aligns with our curriculum so that basically they've got the best chances when we come back after that. In answer to your question, Chris, I just I don't, I don't know. I think we have teachers are scratching their heads at this moment in time, but we'll approach it with just the glass is near full mentality, if that makes sense. I'm interrupting this episode of the RAG podcast to bring you a message from our sponsor, Audro. You know by now that Audro are the number one video interview platform for recruiters around the world. Now, they keep bringing out new features from Audro Capture to Audro Producer, and it just keeps getting better and better and better. But now, recently, they've just announced a new feature to the platform, which is a complete game changer. During COVID-19, they realized that the recruitment audience, the communication was changing. Globally, their clients and candidates were, were using Microsoft Teams and Zoom more than anything else. The phrase, let's jump on a Zoom call or jump on a Teams call, has actually replaced the, the words video interview for a lot of their conversations over the last six months. Now, they were thinking, do we, I mean, how are we going to eradicate this? How are we going to make Audro the name that everyone talks about for, for the interview process? And they realized they didn't need to. They needed to integrate. So for the first time ever, they, they're the first video interview platform on the planet that have decided and managed to integrate with Zoom and soon to be integrated with Microsoft Teams. So with one click after recording a Zoom video, you can now drag that into Audro and create everything else that Audro has from adding the CV, the heat maps, the capture, and the producer elements. You get all the benefits of Audro before and after the interview, but you get to use Zoom, which is client-friendly on all levels. So this is massive. Teams is coming. It's the first time anyone's ever done it in our sector, and it is literally going to change the way you work in 2021. Get in touch with my friends over at Audro at audro.co.uk or if you're already a user, reach out to your account manager to make sure you've got this feature. 
back to the show. Sean, if I've got one other thing I'd like to just ask if it's okay for me to do so for Dharmid. I saw something on the news recently about, you know, kids absorb what they see across a number of different channels digitally now. You know, the TV, what's on Facebook, what their mates are chatting about, all of this stuff. And it was talking actually about the sentiment of the message that is penetrating all of those media channels now. You know, this potentially being one of them and kids picking up on it and it it getting them into a negative state of mind and how important it is that we're all buoyant or a bit more buoyant about the fact that this is okay, we're going to ride through it, you know, all, all of that sort of stuff. Are you seeing that manifest itself in the, you know, the, in, in the mental health of the kids in terms of getting, dare I say it, you know, kind of depressive, you know, down on themselves, down on their luck? Absolutely. Um Every day, essentially, we have, you know, in terms of the structure of our school, we have uh, progress leaders and year leaders who work with students and they're sending out emails and finding, having communications about where students are really, really struggling. One of the things from a, from a leadership team point of view in terms of, of where we're going to be looking to deploy our staff moving forward is we're already talking about having essentially uh, mental health, well-being, kind of coaches, champions, um, Next week, we have uh, Dr. Dominic Thompson, who's a GP who specializes in uh, students' well-being and mental health. She's going to be speaking to uh, the parents of all year groups. Uh, we then go on half term, and then she's going to be doing uh, sessions um, through Zoom for, for our students. It's massively prevalent. Um, uh, you know, it's not just confined to yourselves. It's, it's primary. I have a daughter who's in... Um, year six she's struggling to sleep she you know she is going to school but i think it's just all kind of becoming you know all encompassing in, in terms of students well-being so in answer to your questions yes we are seeing it at the, at the sharp end uh, chris it's crazy isn't it i think like if i look back to when i worked with you david like we didn't even have the technology we've got like we're talking about i didn't have a smartphone i didn't even have an email at burley i don't think i had an email address there was no I didn't have an email. I had, a, I had a register via that Circo system. And yeah, there was an internal, I think there was some kind of internal intranet thing, but there was no, they, we didn't have it. I mean, I didn't have a camera on the laptop. I didn't have, I think there was Skype existed. There was no FaceTime. Could you imagine what would have happened? I mean, it, it's a nightmare now, but at least we have this technology. Can you imagine what would have happened 10, 15 years ago if this would pandemic would have would have come about? I think, Sean, you would have, teachers would have found a solution. We would have found a way to, to do it. And I think one of the things is, is uh, we were very keen to try and be as positive. I mean, the, the, this situation has actually taught us a great deal as well about how we can improve our practice. So mm. I, it's been a disaster. There's no point lying about that. It's, it has been an unmitigated disaster. But in that, there's been lots of positives that we can find. So for students who typically have attendance issues, as an example, um, you know, we now have a platform whereby we can engage them. So, to, if they're not coming into school, we can now still reach them. We can kind of reach them into school. Um, of course, you couldn't have anticipated it. It's, it's as I say, it's. it's I mean, I, I heard on the radio this morning. It's like God Almighty. It's nearly another. It's a year near enough since we went into this situation. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think you know, it's just like it could happen again in the future, and I think we'll just have to adapt. Um, so that's, that, that leads into my, fi my final question for you would be, what do you think, let's say the vaccine kicks in to the point where March, April, where you're back in school, what will be the, the reality of that normal 
for you, do you think? How, how, how will the school day look when we are starting to integrate everyone back into society? Good question, Sean. I think one of the things is, is that the school, as you know it, you know, uh, you had students across the piece, year seven, you know, being classroom next door to year 11, being classroom next door to year eight. We don't have that at the moment. You know, my office is in the, uh, the maths corridor. Uh, that is where our year eight students live. Um, I don't I don't foresee that ending anytime soon, um, but that would be brilliant um, if we can get them back into school. Um, I think, you know, it's 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 just about really where we feel at this moment in time. Our first steps is just to kind of get them back in and reassure them, um, make them feel reassured that we as professionals will do the best we can by them. Um and because, as, as Tim has rightly talked about, you know, that kind of well-being issue, I think that's that's just paramount to what we have to do. So um, we just we can't wait. Genuinely, it's 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 harder as, as teachers at this moment in time having students out than, than in the building. Our workload has increased significantly. And we know we have a huge job in place when they come back in because we're going to have to see where the gaps are in their learning and and deal with the kind of the you know basic basic issues you know one of the things they've said at primary level some students at reception you know have forgot how to use a fork and stuff like that some some social norms with some of our students have gone just the idea of being able to line up sensibly and that's not them being silly or, or misbehaving that's just because they've they've been out of school for a year they've just totally forgot the basic expectations of a school building yeah yeah, that's insane, isn't it? That's really crazy. What um, if you're looking at the provision of laptops that we're providing? I mean, we're we're trying to get to 500. It is it's an absolute drop in the ocean in reality. What what other schemes of of your school had access to? What other support or help have you seen out there that uh, that's also trying to solve the same problem? So, I mean, obviously, you're you're probably familiar with the free school meals, um, which is uh, an issue itself. I think you know w- one of the issues is is around some people may have uh, a laptop, but they don't have, for example, suitable Wi-Fi uh, mm. because of just the coverage. So, uh, I know that certain phone companies have provided uh, dongles so that they can access uh, the the internet that way, which in itself is pretty problematic. Just other, you know, like, you know, printers, um, crucial trying to secure things like that because, you know, so for some parents and for some students, should I say, the idea of being able to work on a laptop just isn't how, how it works for them. You know, it's downloading and then handwriting and then photographing and sending back, you know, the, the work that they've done. Um, is, is, as you know, audio, uh, the sound has proved problematic because, as I say, we've recorded our lessons um, and again, you know, the, 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 the state of the laptops is pretty problematic. So we, we, we will look to kind of take advantage of any situation in the sense of any offer of help, should I say. Um, yeah. And so, you know, it's just it's wonderful what you guys are doing. So I can't thank you enough. A final interruption to today's episode to introduce Vincere. Vincere is the all-in-one CRM ATS platform built for the recruitment and staffing industry. Now, I first heard about these guys about a year ago. The amount of prospect recruitment agencies and clients I was working with that were telling me they were moving over to Vincere, I had to look into it. 
And what I found was a business that had a global reach um, with multiple offices around the world. So they've got this follow the sun methodology, which allows them to support recruitment businesses wherever you are and, have, and, and be in your time zone. But the technology that they've invested in um, is becoming a, a disruptor in the space. More and more recruitment businesses are, are doing this to give their, their recruiters a competitive advantage. They broke into the G2 Crowd's momentum grid as a market leader based on their reviews from their customers. So the, the agencies that are using this platform are raving about it. Now, if you're a rag listener and you're thinking about changing CRM or you're a new business looking to launch with a new CRM, then I would get in touch with, the, with these guys because if you mention that you're a rag listener, they're doing an amazing deal. By visiting www.vincere.io forward slash rag, you can get an exclusive deal which offers two months completely free on a two-year commitment or three months completely free on a three-year commitment. This applies to all licenses that you've either signed up for now or that you'll add in the duration of the contract. So get on there and have a look. Finally, if you're listening, you're a recruiter and you're thinking, I want to move into a more of a business development role um, and I'd like to keep hold of my recruitment knowledge. Well, these guys are recruiting for a BD person, well, multiple roles in both Sydney and London right now. So if you've got a strong recruitment background, you want to move into BD and you want to work for a fast moving tech business that's helping people like you right now, then get in touch via their website because they're hiring today. Back to the show. Sure, do you want to ask a question? Sure, go. Yeah, so it kind of leads in what you were saying there. We've already spoken about this, but the, the initial Project 500 piece is 500 laptops. But I, I, Sean, Chris and I have all agreed that we'd like this to be an, an ongoing um, piece of work. It's not just about there's COVID, so let's deal with this now in the short term. Um, and so our continuing effort to try and raise awareness and then raise the funds to help get more devices to the schools how much of an impact is that going to have uh, outside pre once we're out of the covid woods so to speak for, for you and for the school i think it can have a massive impact i mean i think um you know it's it's, it's helped to, you know the fact that the students are developing it basic it skills i think it's it's allowing that kind of the development of independence and, and the flexibility around their own learning is that answering your question? I'm not sure if I'm going down a rabbit hole here with you, Tim. No, 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 it's, absolutely. For us, it's not just about dealing with the immediate issues of COVID and the lack of devices. I think there's a longer term um, problem that we, we need to resolve. And for me um, and the business that I'm in and Chris is in and, and, and by proxy of that, Sean as well, uh, digital is the future and so many more kids are going to be going into digital jobs. So I think we need to continue this because they need this access to devices, good devices where they can do good work. But like you say, don't have sound problems or, or don't crash or whatever. Yeah. So for me, it's important that it's not just that we get there and, and that's it, happy days. We've got to continue to drive this. I think you're right. And I think that we've, as a leadership team, tried to reflect upon that. Um, you know, so we do teach students, you know, uh, IT. But I think, you know, we're really going to look to strengthen that now um, because you're right. We are moving towards a, a digital world. Schools, in many ways, are still very paper based um, just in, in the classroom. And I think that we're, we're going to assess and, and, you know, look to see where we can utilize, you know, because the resources that we now have in our hands to kind of improve our student offers. I've already talked about, Tim, you know, the fact is, is that we have a situation now whereby when COVID ends, you know, we can be doing um, what we call, you know, after school intervention for students, for example, in GCSE, 
instead of them necessarily having to remain in school, they, you know, they may want to go home and have a break. We can now utilize this to do uh, support in preparation for, for that, you know, when it comes to exams and stuff like that. There's, there is real potential opportunities of whereby students don't have to necessarily be in the building to have, you know, that revision session. So as I, as I said previously, I think that this has, has taught us a great deal and we are going to look to utilise that moving forward to improve the provision that we give our students. So you know what, Dermot, all I can, all I can think and, and want to say is like, you know, well done. Like, it sounds like, I can't even imagine how hard it is to because every what you've just said throughout the last fifteen minutes, you've probably named about fifty different problems, like from school meals to the provision of data to the children who don't even talk, normally turn up. Like you just you're naming problem after problem after problem, and you've got to deliver a curriculum in three different ways, and you know, and you've got to be a parent and a husband and a and you know all the shit that goes on in your own life. So I just want to say, well done, mate. Like I, I, I genuinely can't even imagine still doing it like 10 years ago I was doing this as a, as a graduate and you know I just loved playing football and going to the golf club if I'm honest back then it was great but to think of this the, 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 what you're dealing with is is you know my hat's off to you um we've had a question come in from one of the audience one of our today's one of the guys who donated today Richard Long thank you Richard the question is for you Dermot was having tech available for students an issue pre-covid at your school so that's an interesting question. So was it was it an issue beforehand? I don't think it was massively because we didn't utilise it, if I'll be honest. And I think that's where I talk about um, the potential that this is. You know, this has been really useful for us as teachers, as school leaders, to understand just how we can really improve our offer for our students. So I think what this has done is kind of it's moved us a little bit um, in a very positive way to... It's not that we're, we're ever anti-IT, it's just the fact that essentially um, we never really had enough time probably to sit down and just to utilise and, and explore how we can utilise it effectively. And I think now that we've had to do that, we've been forced to do that, um, because of the situation, we now know we can get out of it and we now know we can definitely improve the quality of education for our students. Um, as you know, Sean, having been a teacher, you just have all different pressures and it's not that we never wanted to, to look at that. I just think that now we have had this situation, we're going to take advantage of it the best we can. So I hope I hope that answers Richard's question. I think uh, it does. I think it does. I think you just you, you you're so positive, mate, and you, you know you, you're looking at the 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 better the best outcomes of from this situation. And I just think that's you know I hope there's I hope everyone in the profession is, is has got the same attitude because that's what we need for these kids. Um, Chris, Tim, have you got anything else you want to add? There's a fine, just a final point and a, you know, a headline from you and your opinion. We're talking a lot now about some of the fundamental changes to the way that we work, you know, for the adult population being the future now, you know, the antiquated ways of being, you know, having to be at your desk at nine and not leaving before five and all that, you know, that's changed. And there's a lot more latitude and flexibility. Do you think that some of that latitude and flexibility will also be reflected in the way that schools are run going forwards? I think that's a really good question, Chris. Um, and I, it's what I kind of often think about. Um, and I think what, what we've recognised is that, you know, for schools in general have two massive purposes. Is one is to educate us, prepare students for the future. But two is to enable the, the economy to, to continue to run. You know, as uh, Tim, as a, as a working parent, has got his daughter um, at home uh, with him. 
So I'm not so sure, truthfully, I, I'm not so sure. I think that for to enable for the economy to run, the fact is that schools play their part in enabling that. Um, I, 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 at this moment in time, I don't think so. Um, but that doesn't mean that, that it won't happen. Um, and that, not, not, that doesn't necessarily reflect my personal opinion. I just think at this moment in time, what we've reflected and what we see every day in the newspapers is get schools back, get schools back so we can open the economy again in a sense. And so yeah. I, think, I think ultimately economic decisions will determine the flexibility that schools kind of play, if that makes sense. A hundred percent. Thanks, Dominic. Yeah, definitely. Um, Tim, anything you wanted to say before we round up? Uh, no other questions. Just really appreciate you coming on to share your experience with us and help us get the message out there. And I'm just now really looking forward to trying to get some laptops out to you guys to try and make an impact and, and, and help. Yeah, we've got 12 laptops on the way to you, Dermot. Um, and I just want to, yeah, it's pleasure brilliant to see you again i'm not seeing you in nine years or whatever eight years um and to see you doing so well and look i'm confident with the people at the top with you with your attitude you know we've, we've got the best chance of, of, of providing for these kids um guys for those of you that have um that have been listening today and, and you know you're interested please do um please do get on online and have a look at uh, what we're doing and, and and donate whatever you can um we've raised thirty thousand pounds in week one the, the target is £80,000. We've got £50,000 to do. And that is going to be, you know, the momentum last week was amazing. Yeah. You know what it's like with these things. People are going to get, you know, they've got other things to think about. They saw Project 500. It sounded great and they've moved on. We need to get the message out there as far and wide as possible. You don't have, I mean, recruitment owners, we are calling you out because we know we are in a similar boat. We run businesses. We've got a disposable income. We can make a difference. But that does not mean your clients, your candidates, your families, your friends can't get on board with this. Um, I've got a friend who owns a salon in Sheffield, and she's she's raffling off um, all of their, their their treatments for five pound, and then you win a treatment worth like a hundred to hundreds of pounds. They've raised a hundred pound yesterday, so they're going to be getting up to five hundred by the end of next week. You know, it doesn't matter what doesn't matter what industry you're in. You can do these. You can make a difference. Um, and I, I, I'm going to put my neck on the line and say that by this time next Friday, because we're going to jump on every Friday at 11 o'clock with a different guest, I, I want to be at 40,000. I think realistically, we had, the, we, had that, we had that climb in the first week. But if we can do 10,000 a week for the next five weeks, you know, mid-March, we can sit here and say we've done it. What, what do you yeah, guys I think? I think that's an awesome idea. I think what's really important is, is that this keeps unfolding. And I think that what we were aiming to do last week was arrest the attention of people like us who are recruitment business owners. And actually, what we saw was that quite a lot of individual consultants were contributing a tenner, 50 quid, 100 quid, which, you know, in a way, I think is just fantastic because that's their own money. That's not corporate funds. No, and one, I one client, sorry, Chris, one client of mine, Alexander Lloyd, They've got a lot of guys on my academy program and they, they messaged me yesterday to say they're all chipping in a percentage of revenue. So all of all placements they made in January, they're going to donate a fee and then they're going to do the same in February. So, you know, that's a way of doing it as well. Like incentivize your teams to put a small percentage of the of the of the placements you make um, yeah. because our, our economy, our, our industry is doing well, like across the board. I've, I've been speaking to recruitment owners all week and they're busy. They're very, very busy. So we can't even say, you know, there's going to be a couple of industries. Let's not, 
you know, I'm, I'm, I can't speak for everyone, but across the board, recruitment businesses are busy. So there should be access to use this as an incentive to get to get more help. Sure. And I think, you know, similarly, the um, Wilton and Bain put two grand in as a business and then 700 quid or something in from the individual consultants. Phenomenal. Absolutely brilliant. And I think what I'd love to see over the course of the next week is is this initiative being embraced within businesses and maybe then posting on their own LinkedIn, tagging in Project 500 so that we see pockets of sub initiatives with the greater good at heart. I just think that would be a great way to actually keep the momentum going. So, you know, that's a, that's a call out from me to all of the business owners to devolve it to your teams and see what the consultants can get going to get some wind in the sails of the next chapter of raising funds for this. All right. Well, let's let's see what we can do in the next week. Um, Tim, Chris, always a pleasure. Chris, looking sharp in that jumper. I love oh, it. Gosh, Tim, Tim, you need to raise your game next week, mate. That's all I'm saying. I was You're wearing good. a hoodie last week, so I yeah, can't. You you You'll be topless next week. We don't want to see that. <laughs> um, and Dermot, thank you, mate. Always a pleasure to uh, to have some time with you. And, and as I said, we'll check in with you again at the end and find out um, what the situation looks like for you. Thank you, Jeff. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Awesome. Guys, thanks for listening to another episode of The Rag. As I said, every Wednesday, we're on the normal format or hour long. We're talking to recruitment business leaders. We're talking about growth and the future. And then every Friday for the next few weeks, 11 a.m., LinkedIn Live, we're going to be giving you an update on the reality of what we're trying to do across Project 500. Um, we'll see you again next week. In the meantime, please stay safe uh, and we'll see you soon. This podcast is brought to you by Hoxo Media. We are the world's number one inbound marketing agency exclusively focused on helping the recruitment industry. Myself and my business partner started the business in 2017, having been recruiters for seven years before. We felt that the recruitment industry back then needed to change and that marketing was going to play a huge role in the way that new and existing recruitment organizations won business and stood out in such a crowded marketplace. In three years, We've now worked with over 200 organizations around the world. We reach a huge audience with both this podcast and content online. And we have over 55 recruitment agencies right now we're managing the marketing for. So that involves strategy, content creation, distribution, systems process, and leads generated. Having been recruiters and marketeers, we can not only build your brand, but we're also able to connect it to your sales team and ensure that leads are generated as a result of marketing. There's a clear ROI that leads to sales activity. But we also understand recruitment businesses. That's small businesses, medium-sized businesses, large businesses in all sectors. We understand you, we've done the job, and we can build campaigns that are super relevant to what you need as a business right now. We've also recently launched the Hoxo Academy, which is designed to help recruitment owners, recruiters and marketeers learn from the work that we do so that you can action some of this stuff in-house on your own. The Academy has been launched in May 2020 and has already had an amazing uh, response from the market and it's only going to grow one way. So if you're interested in either having Hoxo support you build your marketing as a, as a supplier that acts as part of your team or you want to be trained by us on how to do it yourself, then get in touch. Visit www.hoxomedia.com and register your interest on our homepage. We will then get back to you within 24 hours and arrange uh, an introductory call. Thanks again for listening to this show. Every single one of you means so much and we will see you again soon.